Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Bibles, you could turn with me straight to Joel and chapter 3. And if you've not got a Bible with you this morning, then don't worry because it's going to come on the screen. But we're in a series called Rouse the Warriors. For those who are new today, you need to understand that the church... Arena Church, which is one church in six locations. And by the way, on that joint service, we will have all six locations with us. So um, even if I can say the location that runs on a Monday, uh, which is very, very specifically endeavouring uh, and targeting those who are probably from a very, very dysfunctional uh, lifestyle, they will be com- two will be coming in on Sunday morning. And just before we get there, my mind races to all kinds of things. Just if we could ask for your prayers over the Ilkeston Hub campus, because uh, we've uh, been running since September and already we've had two deaths. Um, so we had uh, one death of a, a, a very renowned uh, person in the town. I want to be careful because of podcast, but very renowned uh, by, by the locality because of criminality and all kinds of things. And uh, I had the joy um, of, of preaching a message and him asking to see me afterwards. And uh, literally with genuine, it wasn't crocodile tears, these were genuine tears of him asking how he could become a Christian and would, would somebody like him be able to enter the kingdom of God? And I said, absolutely. And I prayed with him. And then a month later, he's dead of cancer. Cancer just took him. Uh, and then uh, we had the unfortunate news and I was very, very sad. I was on my way to an appointment in Birmingham that one of our young ladies, again, just before Christmas, this was a lady who was barely 40, and I'm not being unkind here, but she looked uh, from, a, from a, you know, the, a form, she looked well into her 60s because of lifestyle and all kinds of things that she'd enter into a drug lifestyle. And uh, she was only about four foot 10 in height. And uh, just before she came, she'd moved into the area, she came to the food bank, she was invited to the service, she came. And again, I was just happening to be, to be preaching and this was a lady who, she was there at the Christmas service, and uh, she again genuinely responded to the gospel message. And I remember just putting my arm around her as I do, because like I said, I'm a big teddy bear, and just put my arm, arm around her and just prayed with her, and I wept and she wept. And we led her into the kingdom, uh, and this week she overdosed on, 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 on drugs. Um, now, I, I, I'm very sad that that has happened, but I want to say to you, that Jesus says to her, I really believe this with all my heart. I had a conviction as I was praying, this day you will be with me in paradise. And her life could have been so much different. And listen, guys, if you're from that lifestyle, if you're struggling with issues, you're very welcome to this campus. We want you to keep coming. We really want you to keep coming. But we believe there's a better way for you to live. There really is a better way for you to live than that. And uh, that was my sadness with, with this lady, Gail. I thought this... She's been robbed. I know she's with Jesus, but actually her life was, was taken. So th- th- that, that campus is going to be with us on, on, on Sunday as well. So uh, please, can you come over and we'll have a fantastic time together. Anyway, back to the, 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 the passage, Rouse the Warriors. I've listened to the message. I've listened to this man, your campus pastor, pump you up. And obviously Phil was here last, last week as well. And this is what it says in Joel chapter 3 and verse 9. Proclaim this amongst the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse, 
rouse the warriors. Now, I preach better. I've said this to you time and time again. I preach better when there's a few amens. I preach better when there's a bit of laughter. I preach better when there's a bit of life. And, and if you're all miserable, I'll all start walking up to you and waking you up, okay? So I want a bit of life. Just tap the neighbor next to you and said, you better be awake. You better be alive, okay, this morning. We want to rouse the warriors. We want to rouse the warriors. We want to rouse the warriors, in, particularly in the area of prayer. And over this 21 days, we've been leaning into praying and, and just calling out to God because, you know, that is where we fight our battles. We sing a song here. This is where we fight our battles. It's in prayer. I'll come on to that. And th this morning, I want to encourage those people who are Christians and who aren't Christians. And if you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Christ, just please listen to me. Hopefully, the meal that you're going to be served today, as in the message, will be understandable. And you'll hear of God's amazing grace towards you. He loves you. He cares for you. He's passionate about you. That is the call to this world. We do not want to see this world get lost, further lost, getting darker and darker. We believe that there's people who are being roused. The church needs to be roused to prayer, guys. We need to be a people that pray like, like, like never before. We need to work like it depends on us and pray like it depends on God. We need to stop, drop and pray. We need to call out to God on behalf of our friends and our neighbours and our spouses and our children. And this is what I want to speak into because you may say, well, I've been doing that, but it's tough. Yeah, we need to persist in prayer. Now I want to set a foundation for my message and I said last week because I was preaching this in Ilkeston and there's still fresh fire over this message so don't worry you're not getting you know the drag ends you're not getting a bad meal uh, you know that's out of date this is very much fresh in me okay this morning but I was wanting to set a foundation because you know very often we, 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 how we perceive God is very very important and I want to declare over every single person here today that God is good you can add an amen that God is kind, that God is faithful, that God is true, that God is right in all of his dealings, in all of his dealings. That's the God that I know, even in the midst of difficulties. But very often we need to understand as well that God's ways are not our ways. And God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And often I've come to God and thought, you are good and kind, so God, you need to do this in my way, in my thinking. Anybody ever done that before? And God reminds me and says, Christian, that's cool. Thank you for your help, but I don't need it. And my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And we have to get that very firmly in our hearts. But very often we've heard messages that... You know, God is, is, is wanting to just, you know, pour so much good into our lives and he does and he wants to bless our lives and he does and he wants to do good to us and he does but that can leave us in, in, a, in, a, in a foundational point where we think that when something bad happens to us then God's left us. Let me tell you today, bad things happen in this world. Bad things happen in this world. And I'll tell you why bad things happen. Because of sin. Because of sin. When Adam and he, Eve were on this earth, and I believe the Bible in its entirety. I believe the creation story. I really do. I, nothing will move me from that. If you don't, we can talk about that. In fact, the best thing you could do is go on an alpha. 
And it will help you just get a better understanding and talk to some people and we can help you with some resources and all kinds of things around that. But I really believe that. So when Adam and Eve were in the, in the world, they were, they were perfect. They, there was no sin in the world. It was wonderful. But then God gave them the most amazing gift that he gave to his creation. And that was free will. Yeah. Choice. There was a free will choice. And because of a free will choice, they, they decided to go and sin, disobey God. Sin entered the world. Sin entered the world. That is why bad things happen. That is why there's trouble there. Sometimes we, we can, we can self-inflict, can't we? Thing, things happen to us that are bad because we've done things. And we, I mean, I know there's things that, I, that happen to me. It's no good me moaning and groaning and stamping my feet and saying, why are these things happening? It's because I'm sinning. It's because I'm messing up. It's because I'm making bad decisions. Am I speaking to anybody here today? That's the reality. But there are some things that happen to us they are not self-inflicted. They happen around us and we have no control over them and they're terrible. But I'll tell you why they're happening. Because of sin. The tragedies that are in the world, the famine that's in the world, the crisis that's in the world, it's because of man's sinfulness. I'll just call it for what it is. And I was with a, a prophet this week. I say that clearly. He was a prophetic guy. And he just said, I wish, I wish the church would just call the church and just say what it is it's not a problem we don't have a problem guys it's sin <laughs> it's sin and if you're here today and you're in crisis and you're in difficulties don't call it a problem it's sin the simple solution to sin is leaning into God and asking his forgiveness and the Bible tells me, I was reading it this morning, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. So there is an answer to sin. It's Jesus. Jesus came to deal with our sin. But sin happens and stuff happens in the world. But this is the thing for the church. I hope you still follow me. Why I'm setting this as a foundation is really important in my subject. Because God is good and God is kind, but things happen. And sometimes we can get rocked when things happen because we have this message and we believe this message that God is a sugar daddy. God is not a sugar daddy. I'm sorry if you've heard a preach message that, that says when you come to Jesus, everything's going to be all right. Now let me tell you, everything is all right in Jesus because we have a life in this world because Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus declared, I have come that you may have life and life in all of its fullness. That is life today and life in eternity. So I know that those who have leaned into Jesus have a confidence that they can live this life and they have a security in this life. But also, we also have a confidence that we will never taste death. By the way, we will never taste death. We will never taste death. Think about that. I think moments before we're about to pass into, into, into eternity, we don't taste it. It comes and gets us. He comes and takes us. That's my conviction. He comes and takes us. We never taste death. Those who are in Christ Jesus will never taste death. What a wonderful promise that is. Anybody feel comforted by that? I do. It's wonderful. But listen to me. God is not a sugar daddy. He's not at your, you know, whatever you need, whatever you want. And by the way, if we parent like that, we're setting our kids up to fail. Because life is not like that. Life is not like that. Life is tough. Life is difficult because like I've said, the things that are in the world, 
He is not a sugar daddy that we can call on. Why? Because God wants to bring us, it's a very important word for those who are taking notes, to maturity. God wants to bring us to maturity. And some things happen to us because it's building our character and testing our faith. I've heard already, there's people who've responded and we're with you, we're praying for you. But how about the gods building your character and testing your faith? When I've gone through challenges, when I've gone through difficulties and still do, I realise that God is building my character and testing my faith. Why, Patrick? Because he wants to bring me to maturity. He wants me to grow up. And these kinds of messages aren't often preached in the church. But we want to bring you to maturity. We want to bring you to the point where God is working in you and changing you. We also, I need to, as I finish this introduction, (laughs) we also need to understand that things happen because of sin, but also because we have a very real foe. Somebody wrote recently, and I read it, that Christianity is not a playground, but it's a battleground. I'll say that again. Christianity is not a playground, it's a battleground. We're in for the fight, guys. That's why we need to persist in prayer. I'll come to that in a moment. But we have a very real foe. Not only sin, that we can create a lot of stuff ourselves, but there's a very real foe. His name is Satan. I won't get into it. Don't call him Lucifer. He is not Lucifer. He lost that name. That main name means praise. That was taken from him. That was taken from him and that was given to God. That's where we get hallelujah from. Give you a little bit of a Hebrew lesson. Lucifer means halal, praise. And he was taken from him. That's where we get the hallelujah, Yahweh. Praise God. So every time you lift up your voice and raise a hallelujah, you're announcing to Satan that he lost his rights to be praised. Have you got that? So there's something that's powerful when we lift up the name of Jesus and we bring a shout of a hallelujah. We're reminding him all that he's lost and all that we have in God. Have you got that? I'm more excited than you are, I can tell. You're all a miserable bunch. You're not really, I love you. He's a real foe and he contends for the people of God, does Satan. I want, to, I want you to get this. The Bible declares he goes around like a, like a roaring lion. I need to say this to you. He is like a roaring lion. He is not the lion. There is only one who is the lion. His name is Jesus. And he declares that he is a lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the lion. He has the roar. He has the power. He has the authority. So when you lifted your hands in prayer with Josh, I want to declare that God declares his authority over that issue. His power over that issue. I really believe this stuff. Can you tell why it's fresh in me? This is not a regurgitated word, Robert. You better be awake this morning because you're going to get something, sir. (laughs) So then, we have a real foe. There are things that happen, but God is God. He's wanting to bring us to maturity because he's not a sugar daddy. And I say all this because as we persist in prayer, we have to have that as a foundation. I hope you understand why I've had to lead you in that. Because some people think, well, why doesn't it happen straight away? When my prayers, why don't they happen straight away? Because God is good and God is kind. Because there is a foe that is at work and he's trying to bring pushback. And so I've got four things. We may not get to the fourth point. But I've got four things that I wanted to speak to you about this morning. The first thing we've already opened up or begun to open up for those who are taking notes. And you must get this. Listen, every single Christian needs to get this. 
This is going to be so basic, so helpful to you in your prayer life. Because in our prayer life, we have to understand it's, it's a real battle. It's a real battle. If anybody's been married for any length of time in this place, your marriage is contended for. It will be contended for. Kids, they'll be contended for. Your parents, that business, can I go wider? That neighborhood, that town, that street, the city, the nation. Let me tell you, it's a real battle. It's a real battle. We're not wrestling against the government. We're not wrestling against the council or the police. We're wrestling in the heavenly realms. And 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says this, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Just get that. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers. He puts gross darkness over our lives to stop us from seeing the truth. Some of you here today, you were coming to church for weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years, never saw anything. Then all of a sudden, it's like the light came on. Yes, a light bulb moment. I want to tell you that's what happened. God stepped in, God broke in and light shone where there's once darkness and blindness. And the people that you're talking to, the people who you're ministering to, the people who you're witnessing to, that's why. Because God has, the God of this age has blinded the minds of those unbelievers. Why? So they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So what is the answer to it? Well, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5, because it's a real battle, says this, for though we live in this world, we do not wage as the world does. I want to tell you, our war, this is a militant call, but it's not a militant call by the church to take up knives and guns, to go shooting people who don't believe what we believe. It's not a militant call for us to stand belligerently against all those who don't believe the same as us and we're nasty and we're evil and we shout and rant and rave. That is not our call. That is not what we're called to. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, look at the screens, are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, look, look at this, I love this. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. There are strongholds that are operating in cities and towns and locations. And he says there that we have power, divine power, to bring those strongholds down. And we demolish arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive of every thought. And we make it obedient to Christ. Listen to me. It's a real battle. It's a real battle. It's a call to prayer. It's a call for the church to arise. And in these last seven days of this 21 days, you might have not got where you need to get to. I feel a little bit like that. God said some things, but I just have determined again. It was a fresh determination yesterday. I said to the Lord, this next seven days, I'm going again, Jesus. I'm going again. I want to just lean in because it's a battle that we have to win in the heavenlies. If we're going to take Mansfield... And the church are going to take Mansfield. And by the way, God's heart is to see this town saved. And some of you might be a bit passive around that at the moment. But there's some of you that God's igniting a fire. You know, we get excited. I'm excited when I see, you know, results that are are happening. I mean, this thing's, you know, swelling. It's growing. It's wonderful. But if we believe that this is it and we're saying, oh, we'll knock a wall through and that'll be great. 
Listen to me, that is wonderful, it's great, but there's thousands, tens of thousands that need saving, that need touching, that need serving, that need helping. And now we're going to win it. We're going to win it in the heavenly realms. We're going to win it on our knees. That is why there's a call to Tuesday morning prayer. Guys, for some of you, it's just that you don't want to get up. You need to get up. You need to get here 6.30 in the morning. You need to pray. I said that last week in Ilkeston and revival broke out. We doubled the numbers. It was wonderful. It was terrific. People just calling out to God in that moment. And if you can't get there because of kids and work, just on your way to school or on your, in the car to work, just call out to God. And then we need to work. We need to work hard. We need to serve. We need to give. We need to be generous with our time and our talent and our treasure. We need to leverage what we have for the kingdom of God. And that is going to be a big journey for some people because some of you have been given much. And where much has been given, much is required. And some of you have been blessed incredibly. And I want to say, I want to leverage my life. I want to leverage my resource. I want to leverage the little talent that I have for the kingdom of God. For the gales of this world. Remember the story that I told you at the beginning? The woman who overdosed. I want to leverage it for her. I want to leverage it for other people. I want to leverage it for the businessman who doesn't know Jesus. And is going to a lossless eternity. I want to leverage for those people. So it's a real battle. Number two, it's a call to prayer. There's a call to prayer. Ephesians 6 verse 11. Are you still with me? Tap the neighbor next to you and say to them, I'm enjoying this. Go on, I'm enjoying this. I dare you. I'm enjoying this. Tap tap the other side now and say, this is bodybuilding. This is bodybuilding stuff. It is. It's bodybuilding. It's strengthening us. As we persist in prayer. Ephesians 6 verse 11 says this, put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so you'll be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms, for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. I want to encourage you to read Ephesians 6 from verse 11. It talks about what we must put on. I was telling the story about as, a, as, a, as an 18-year-old and on my way to a year-out Bible program, Andy and Lou did a similar thing. They were at the other side, though. They were, they, what task force, wasn't it? And I was on light force. You see, they were task, I was light. But anyway, we won't, we won't go there, all right? But um, we went on a similar sort of thing. And uh, I remember I was in uh, Yugoslavia for about eight weeks and we did it the old-fashioned way, me and Caroline, my, wife, my beautiful wife, we did the old-fashioned way. We did letters. I know they're out of date now, but we enjoyed writing letters to one another. When was the last time you wrote a letter, some of you? Some of you never wrote a letter, okay. It's just emails and texts and all that kind of stuff. We wrote this letter and we would send tapes. We'd talk into a tape recorder. I'll, oh, it was young love, I'm telling you, Josh. It was beautiful. And Caroline still got the tapes and still got the letters. I tell you, you know, I was a keeper, Nathan. I was a keeper. <laughs> Why I'm telling you this is whilst we're away, it was one of the things that Caroline used to struggle with, she wouldn't mind telling you, is just mind games. Mind games. And I remember, and I'm not an artist, but drawing out a soldier and then putting on the different things, the helmet of salvation, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, taking up the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith and gird your loins, yes, and get your feet 
fitted readiness for the gospel of peace. And I wrote this and drew it out and sent it to her. In fact, I was teaching the staff Christians in on those Tuesday mornings. Can you remember a little while ago? I said, guys, you need to put on the full armor of God. Every single morning, guys, there's a call to pray. Because we're fighting. It's a real battle. And we've got to put on the helmet of salvation. Here, who, who, who here has ever struggled with mind games? Just give us a wave. My hands are up. I think all of us at different times. But some people really struggle with mind. You mentioned anxiety. I felt that very strongly actually this morning. Anxiety. Some of you have real anxiety. You'll only overcome anxiety by putting on the helmet of salvation. It will protect your mind. Those anxious thoughts thoughts that then enter your heart we have to put on the helmet of salvation and this is what Paul tells us to do and then he goes on to say in verse 17 and 18 pray passionately in the spirit as you can constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times pray with the blessing of God upon all his believers this means to say that there is a call to pray we wrestle against principalities and powers not flesh and blood we can only overcome them by our prayers, but we have to make sure that we are equipped in prayer. Because if you go into a battle and you are not equipped, you will be overcome. And this is what makes me nervous, particularly just go with me for a moment. Some church people were saying to this devil and this, and it's like we're just talking to Joe Bloggs. They are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits. We don't need to be frightened of them but they are powerful and you will, not able to, you will not be able to overcome them unless you put on the full armour of God and unless you take the authority of Jesus and as you do that, you will see a breakthrough. So we need to pray persistently. We need to pray consistently. We need to pray at all times, in all places, in all situations. There is a call to pray. And if some of you say, I don't know how to pray, I'd encourage you to read Matthew chapter 6. And verse 9, Jesus was asked the same question by his disciples. Jesus, how should we pray? And he teaches them. And it's not just some twee, twee prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. I'm thankful that we had it in the schools, but he didn't lay a true foundation for some of us. And there, there are some resources that you need to get as you pray the Lord's Prayer, as you pray his name into situation, as you pray his authority into the world. As you believe for the daily bread, as you, as you say, deliver me from the evil one. It's a prayer that I make every day as a man full of testosterone. Seriously, deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from my mouth. Deliver me from what I hear. Deliver me from what I see. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a deliverance. So I'd encourage you to just get some resources and I can point you in the right direction. There's a call to pray. It's a real battle, but there's a call to persist in prayer. Now for time, this persisting in prayer, what does it mean? It means to endure. It means to have grit. It means to persevere. It means to have stamina and tenacity. Some people here have been praying for a week and because it hasn't happened, you've then given up. I want to tell you, I want to say to you, persist in prayer. Persist in prayer. 
Invariably, you hit the bullseye the first time we were playing darts at Christmas. Could I hit a bullseye? Not at all. My son, my son walks up. Josh was really naffed off about this, weren't you? And he just, it was a fluke. It was a complete fluke, wasn't it? But he hit the bullseye. It's like our prayers. We think we need, no, no, no. They invariably hit the bullseye. We have to keep persisting. We have to keep persisting. How about that, that child, that son, that daughter? How about that husband, that wife? How about that situation that seems so desperate that you've been praying and praying and praying over and you think, no, 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 it's not working. I want to encourage you. Is anybody hearing me? I want to encourage you to keep praying. I want to encourage you to keep stop dropping and praying. I want to encourage you to pray constantly as we was encouraged here, calling out to God on behalf of those. This is the persisting that God is talking about. And interestingly, in Ephesians 6 verse 18, we've read it, but read it in another version. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. Praying with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This Greek word, which means to persist, is only used in the New Testament in relation to prayer. Every time it's mentioned... It's mentioned around prayer. Because there's a common thread that runs through the New Testament. As we look at the life of Jesus and then we look at his leaders that followed him, there was a call for the church not only to pray, but Paul to persist in prayer, to have perseverance, to have stamina, to have courage, to have tenacity, to have a doggedness for us to believe. Now I want to finish this particular point with a story, Luke chapter 18, because this is a really helpful story as we just close this off about persisting in prayer. Because Jesus was having the same sort of issues with his boys. There were things that were happening that weren't, that weren't hitting the bullseye. And so he says in Luke 18 verse 1, Jesus taught the, the apostles to keep praying Never to stop and never to lose hope. Interesting that, isn't it? Interesting that. Because sometimes we can lose hope, can't we, if we're being honest? Because it's not happening in the time we need it to happen or the way that we need it to happen. What did I say at the very beginning? God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He's working to his plan. We just have to keep calling out on his name. So Jesus told them this story. Let's read it together, shall we? In a certain town, there was a civil judge, a thick-skinned and godless man who had no fear of others' opinions. There was a poor widow in that town who kept pleading with the judge, grant me justice and protect me against my oppressor. And he ignored her pleas for quite some time, but she kept asking. Eventually, he said to himself, the widow keeps annoying me, demanding her rights, and I'm tired of listening to her. Even though I'm not a religious man and I don't care about the opinion of others, I'll just get her off my back by answering her claims for justice and I'll rule in her favour. And then she'll leave me alone. And the Lord continued, did you hear what the ungodly judge said? That he would answer her persistent request. Don't you know, this is very important, verse 7. 
Jesus then says, and I'm just going to put two or three words in of my own, but I think I have a right to, and I'll show you why. Jesus then says, don't you know that God, the true, I want to put in brackets, God is honest, God is upright, God is holy. He is nothing like this judge, this thick-skinned judge. Jesus says, don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all of his chosen one who cry out to him night and day. He will pour out his spirit upon them and he will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. Verse 8, God will give swift justice to those who don't give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting, just like the widow was with this judge. Yet when the Son of Man comes back, he will, will he find, I pray he does in Arena Church, this kind of persistent faithfulness in his people. Have you got that story that Jesus was telling? He was telling us a story and showing us that we need to keep persisting in prayer because he is a good, honest, true, right judge. And he will give to us at the appropriate time what we need or he will do what is in his thoughts and his ways. Because oftentimes I've prayed, oh God, do this. And God's done something completely different. We read the Join the Circle book, didn't we, in the autumn? And we, we hear sometimes God says yes. Sometimes says, God says, not yet. And then sometimes God says, no. It's in one of those three categories. But if you've definitely got a, not got a no, then what do we need to do? Yeah. We need to keep praying. We need to keep persisting. We need to keep pressing through until we get, yes, now is the time. This is the hour. This is the day. Jesus tells us to ask, to seek, to knock. Sometimes God will push us to our absolute limits, the limits of our faith, of our patience, and of our love. But what did I say? This is how God stretches our faith and builds our character. We need to be persistent in prayer with our children, with our spouse, with our family, with our neighbors, with our friends. Proverbs 24 verse 16 says this, for the lovers of God may suffer adversity and stumble seven times but they will continue to rise over and over again. <sighs> Time's gone. Mm. I was asking the Lord about this. And some of you Christians here who know the Lord, it feels like you've been knocked down. But I want to encourage you, not of those who quit, but God says to you, I want you to rise again. Listen to it. For the lovers of God may suffer adversity and stumble seven times, but they will continue to rise over and over again. Some of you need to take that very much in your heart. God is call, calling you to rise again, Jordan. God is causing you to rise again, guys, you young couples. God is causing you to rise again. I feel like I could, mm, I feel like I could prophesy over numbers of you this morning but I just want to say for those you know it's leaping in your heart you know you know God's saying to you don't stay where you are you need to rise again you need to rise again you need to rise again are you hearing me we're not of those that stumble and fall and stay where we are the people of God rise again 
rise again and press in and push in. And yes, we do need others around us. That's why we need to come on Sundays. That's why we need to gather on Sundays. That's why we need small groups. That's why we need friends who will gather around us. But ultimately, we have to do it ourselves, don't we? We rise again, Glennis, in Jesus' name. We rise again. We're not of those who stumble and fall. We are called to persist. I'm going to give you something very quick. Have I, am I okay with just two more minutes? Oh, Wesley, thank you. I won't go longer than I need to. I'm not one of those. We've got a little bit of time. Thank you. Am I okay with that? Yeah. This is really important as I was laboring over this message. By the way, we preachers, we have to labor over messages. You have to travail over them. You have to get them in your heart. We're not doing talks, nice talks. I'm sorry if I've been a little bit too... Well, I'm not sorry if I've been too passionate for you. It's the passion of heaven to you. It's how God sees you. There's a passionate call. There's a passionate call to the church to pray. So I can say all that. It's a real battle. We need to pray. We need to persist in prayer. But why then do we quit? Well, there are some reasons why we quit. I think we've got them on the screen. Reasons why we quit. Because we have to identify the issues in the enemy. These are very practical, but I think they'll help you. Number one, some of you here... You have quit, and some of you in the days ahead, unless you handle this and remember this, will quit, and we do so because we forget the promise. We forget the promise. The Bible says the promises of God are what? Yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And we have to remember the promises of God. What has God spoken? Some of you are holding promises for kids. I'm looking at some of you. You're holding promises for kids. Don't forget the promise. What God said to you. We forget the promise. And so we lose hope. Going back to that verse. We lose hope. No, we're not of those who lose hope. We're those who persist because we remember the promise. Secondly, we lose hope. I want to tell you that God is faithful and just and true. But we can often lose hope. Number three, we become distracted by others and by other things. Nothing is more important, nothing is more precious than Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. You may be involved in a big business deal. You may be involved in a significant you know, situation. You may be involved in even building the church of, of Jesus. Well, wonderful. But nothing is more precious than Jesus, guys. Nothing is more precious than Jesus. He is the most wonderful, precious things. And we can easily become distracted by others. Let me just say that song that we sung when uh, it is well, it is well with my soul. Those who are taking notes, if you don't know the story behind that hymn, you need to get it. Horatio Spafford, just Google it in. It is well with my soul. You'll get the story. This man lost his business. He lost his son to death. He sent his wife and four daughters to England and whilst they were travelling there, and he was going to follow, whilst he was travelling there, the, the boat went down. His four daughters were lost. His wife survived. And she sent a message to him as he was travelling. So we get that? He lost his money. He lost his son. He lost his four daughters. And now there's just him and his wife. And as he went past where the, the boat was sung, he penned this song, It is well. It is well with my soul. I'm sorry for the emotion that I carried this morning, but I know that. And I had to declare again, it is well. 
it is well with my soul. I refuse to be distracted by other things. I refuse to be distracted by the things around me. I refuse to be distracted by even the terrible things that could be happening to our family. I want to focus my heart and my attention, my mind upon you, Jesus. You are worthy of all honour. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all glory. Anybody believe that this morning? It's true. It's true. And I do not want to be distracted. And we quit because we get distracted. And fourthly, discouragement takes in discouragement takes in and as we conclude around these points why we quit as we do all those things we forget we lose hope we get distracted we become tired we get discouraged and then we start to confess to ourselves, even subconsciously subconsciously serving Jesus it's just not worth it there are many people in the town you know this is what's happened And God's calling them back and saying, guys, it is worth it. We need to carry a conviction in our heart that serving Jesus is worth it. As we finish, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8, Paul says, though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. I wonder if the guys would come and join me on the platform. Thank you for allowing me just a few more minutes around that. Time is very precious. I hope you feel ministered to. I hope you feel helped. I hope you feel encouraged. And I want to speak to just and pray over a couple of people groups, if I may. So I wonder if we just bow our heads and just close our eyes.